Welcome to Temple Baptist Church. Take your song handouts, page 165. We're going to sing, Oh, Worship the King. Page 165, Oh, Worship the King. will be our first song. 165, Oh, Worship the King.
And Brother Sam Childress, would you lead us in prayer, please? Amen. You may be seated. All right. Welcome to Wednesday night service. Uh, got a special message tonight as well as our budget meeting uh, at the end of the service, but uh, good to see everyone here this evening. Uh, you might have got the church cast that we sent out, just encouraging everyone to be here tonight, even though we're not having Master Club and Youth Group. And uh, I will say this, I look out at the congregation and uh, Certainly, um, we uh, would normally be a little bit fuller here in the auditorium, but I will say this, had a number of people reach out to me that are uh, battling uh, sickness or stomach bugs, etc., and then we've got some other people that are dealing with some pretty major health crisis, so uh, I'm sure that that plays a part as well. But we welcome all of you that are listening live stream and uh, certainly appreciate you tuning in and trust that the Lord will bless you for listening to the message tonight. Uh, other than that, by way of announcements, this coming Saturday, it's January 1st, so we're not having our uh, outreach as well as our prayer meetings. We are having everything regular on Sunday, uh, morning service at 11, and then remember that the following Sunday, that is January 9th, we will go back to also having our Sunday evening service at 6 o'clock, and uh, with the Lord's help and grace, we plan on just continuing that. Uh, I would say that um, I'm, I'm just weary of COVID managing us, and uh, we certainly want to manage it, do the best we can to keep one another safe. I, I was talking to Brother Tim Green today on the phone, and just this past week, he has two preacher friends that both died from COVID just this past week. So uh, it's still a very serious thing. And, um, you know, people never know what it's going to do to them if you catch it. And regarding that, uh, my brother-in-law in um, in Idaho, Dwayne Patton, he just came down with his second case of COVID. And my sister said in a text message today that he really is uh, really sick. And so if you would, please pray for him. And while I'm talking about prayer, I've got a list here that I'm sure most of you are aware of these if you're on the prayer chain list, but I certainly want to bring these up because uh, some very special prayer is needed for these folks. Uh, First of all, Brother Bob Hartness will be having surgery tomorrow. He's got some fractured vertebrae and it sounds like pretty bad shape. And so pray for him as well as Sister Barbara as she cares for him going back and forth to Baptist Hospital in Winston and so forth. Uh, also uh, pray for Sister Michelle Ham that she continues to recover from uh, her broken hip uh, surgery that she had from the car accident. And then also uh, two people that are um, Sister Sherry Haig is uh, battling pancreatic cancer. She starts chemo here, I believe, next week. And then also uh, Sister Sandra Stafford, they found uh, a growth on her pancreas and don't know the prognosis just yet on her, uh, what the situation is there. Uh, Her uh, growth is smaller than what Sister Sherry Higgs is, but uh, certainly any time that you have cancer, tumor growth that has anything to do with the pancreas, uh, that's something that you take really, really seriously. So do pray for all of these folks. And um, while uh, we're talking about prayer, does anyone, is there something that I have either uh, forgotten or um, 
Uh, something that I'm not aware of. Yes, Brother Stair? Okay, you said that was Sister Libby's niece? Friend. Friend, okay. Very well. All right, anybody else? Yes, Miss Sylvia? Um, please pray for my mom. She has some health issues. Okay, very well. Anyone else? All right, uh, other last announcements. We have Bible reading calendars as well as these Bible reading uh, checklists. Uh, both are out at the Information Center, and so... Uh, Uh, Please take advantage of uh, one of those systems or any other system, but just make sure that you are daily systematically staying in the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to stay in you. And so uh, that is is vital to life. Uh, It's vital to the Christian life. It's vital to the health of any congregation. And so please uh, make sure that you're staying in the Word of God. All right, Brother Glenn, come lead us in our second song. Which one we got, brother? 111. All right, hallelujah for the cross. All right, so a couple things here. This is a new song for us, and a couple different things that we haven't done probably in quite a while. As we look down the song here, go down to the third line. It starts, the winds of hell have blown, the world its hate hath shown. That line, every time we get to that line specifically, is going to be just the ladies, all right? As this song sings and it progresses, the ladies will sing that third line, and then everyone will come back in on that fourth line, and as the song progresses, it kind of gets to a crescendo as we finish out the chorus there with the hallelujahs, all right? So we'll probably sing this song a couple of times here. I will help you, ladies, as we sing through that third line to kind of get the melody in our heads there, and uh, just to try and get that going, all right? So let's give it a shot. Let's see how it goes here tonight. Hallelujah for the cross.
ladies. The grace of God here shown through Christ the blessed Son. Everyone, Just to get it into our heads, all right? Good, I'm glad you guys approved. Let's do it one more time. Starting at the top. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right.
right, you may be seated. All right, y'all warmed up a little bit on that second go-round. That's, that's one of those songs really deep on the first part, and then you got to let her rip on some of those high notes on the second part. And uh, maybe when we get a little bit more people here in the auditorium, when we sing that next time, I always liked it, the way Brother Glenn led it, uh, I've heard it led that way before, and it's really kind of sweet when all of you ladies are singing your part, kind of makes me just want to kind of do that. And then the men come in, and it's just, I don't know, it's a powerful, powerful hymn, to be quite honest with you. I know I'm having fun with it, but it is a very powerful hymn, and so um, hopefully when we get a few more bodies here in the auditorium, we can uh, do that hymn justice as we sing it congregationally. Matthew chapter number 18 tonight, Matthew chapter number 18, once again, appreciate you being here this evening, kind of a dark, dreary day today, certainly a dreary evening, and uh, I know that uh, some of you, it's uh, not easy for you to drive when it's this dark out and when it gets cold and so forth, and so I appreciate uh, the sacrifice that some of you older saints made just to be here tonight, and uh, I want you to know that uh, you are not taken for granted by this pastor. I have great respect and appreciation for our older saints of God, and um, it is a, a joy that we have that stability and that example of faithfulness here at Temple Baptist Church. Matthew chapter number 18, I'd like to draw your attention to two verses beginning in verse number 19, excuse me, in ver- yeah, verse number 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them." I want to speak this evening on a message that is very much a burden of my heart. It has been for quite some time, and uh, I do believe uh, from the bottom of my heart that the Holy Spirit has led me to bring this message on the very last church service of 2021 here at Temple Baptist Church. The message is the value and importance of corporate prayer. Let's pray and ask that the Lord would bless us this evening Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we come to you in need of your grace, in need of your power. Uh, Lord, not power so that we can feel like that we are anything, but Father, to uh, speak to hearts and uh, to instruct and to convict and to encourage us to do what you would have us to do. And Father, I ask that you would just lead us and guide us, and I pray, Father, that Uh, You would help me to speak as I ought to speak here this evening. Help me to be a faithful pastor leading this flock that you've entrusted me with. I pray, Father, that I'd not fail you, but I would be faithful to you. We pray that you would get praise, glory, and honor uh, through the message tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Very often we quote that verse, and we think of that verse where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I've heard that verse used at small churches or startup churches, or I've heard that in a church service where it snowed and hardly anybody could make it to the service that day, and just a handful of people showed up, 
And so we said, well, the Bible says where two or three are together. You don't have to have a huge crowd for the presence of the Lord to be there. Uh, you know, on, on line of that thinking, I would say in many cases that sometimes the larger the crowd, that isn't any indicator that the Lord is present there. In fact, it, it may actually end up being a hindrance to the presence of God. Uh, something that I'm going to be preaching here in the near future, maybe this Sunday, I'm going to be talking about pragmatism and how pragmatism has saturated the mentality of the modern church. And I'm not going to explain that here tonight because the message is certainly something different, but uh, I do believe that pragmatism is um, at the root of why people think that a large church has God's blessings, but a small church uh, that's struggling does not. Now, the value and importance of corporate prayer. We call it corporate prayer. Charles Finney called it social prayer. Some have called it united supplication, but if you're not familiar with any of those phrases, what we mean by that is simply what we call prayer meeting. It's when we gather together as a church for the express purpose of praying together. Now, I want to apologize, so you certainly should be paying close attention when I say that I want to apologize. And the Holy Spirit uh, has been speaking to my heart uh, really the last month or so. And those of you that come to men's prayer meeting, I've been candid with you that 2021 has been a very, um, it's been a challenging year for uh, my wife and I and our family. We, we've been through some things that we've never had to go through before, and we've had to learn some things. And uh, like many of you, uh, this past year has been a very, very challenging year. And because of that, uh, I would have to take inventory of my ministry and my preaching, and I'd have to confess to you here this evening that because of this past year, I allowed myself to get frustrated and discouraged, as well as afraid for the future uh, on a number of different topics and fronts. And so please, uh, please hear what I have to say today, because uh, it is the same things that almost every godly leader, I mean, you read or listen to messages by any godly leader from yesterday or 10 years ago or 100 years ago or 500 years ago, you will find that the message that I have for you this evening is the same thing that any and every godly leader has been saying to their congregation and uh, every godly leader ought to be saying these things to uh, his congregation. The importance and the value of corporate prayer. Let me, by way of introduction, give you just a little bit of history of our prayer meetings as we schedule them uh, currently. Uh, first of all, when I came to Temple uh, going on 14 years ago, I wanted to have a Saturday evening prayer meeting like the church that I came from there in Idaho. But I knew and perceived that we, we just weren't, it wasn't the right time. Uh, maybe I perceived that we just weren't quite ready for adding that 
scheduled burden and, and, and activity because there were just other things that were going on that there was, you had your core group that was faithful to everything, but then you had others that uh, maybe Sunday morning service only, and I just perceived that it wasn't time to do that. And I assure you, as I've said on numerous times in the past, I, I have never uh, in anything to my knowledge or been aware of that I, I've tried to take things that I learned at other ministries, whether it be in Idaho, whether it be in Asheville, whether I've been to a conference and said, you know what, that's a cute idea, or I like the way that they do it. I think that we ought to be like them. I believe that every church is uh, has its own unique personality, and not every church can do everything. Uh, folks, we need to be who God wants us to be. Amen? And so that was at my heart. And so what we did is we started having a Saturday morning prayer breakfast, and it went well. But but I also perceived that uh, it was a lot about the breakfast, and not as not not as much. I'm not criticizing it, but the the breakfast seemed to take center stage, and the prayer was just something that we went through. And uh, bottom line is, I just didn't sense that that prayer breakfast was building the momentum toward a spirit of prayer. And, and by the way, when we have scheduled activities, when we have a prayer meeting, I, I, I promise you uh, that I don't sit around saying, how, how can I strap some something more on our people's schedule and give them something, an obligation that they have to do? I, I really, I'm very sensitive about that, and I know that each and every one of you have busy lives. And, and I don't think that more activity is the answer to anything in any church. But I do believe that the most important thing, or certainly one of the most important things that we can have as a church is a spirit of prayer. Now, you can have something scheduled, you can have a prayer meeting, and not even be anywhere close to having a spirit of prayer. Well, a number of years ago, several men here in the church approached me about meeting early in the morning so that they could pray for me. And of course, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely, you have my blessings upon that. And then uh, they asked if I would uh, come and join them. And so, yeah, I, I, I came and started joining them. And then uh, shortly after that, they asked, Pastor, would it be possible if we met at the church. And I said, well, sure, absolutely, not a problem. And so we started meeting here at the church, and um, we uh, would sing a few songs and read a little bit of scripture and sometimes have a devotion. And uh, then we would spend the remainder of the time in prayer. Uh, if we got together at five in the morning, typically we try to be done by six and uh, and so forth. And so... Um, uh, we eventually, and I don't even remember the reason behind it, uh, but for, um, uh, for uh, not because I wanted to have a Saturday evening prayer, but there were logistical reasons why Saturday evening just seemed to work better for everyone. So we moved it to Saturday evening. And then the ladies began having prayer meeting. My wife wanted to have prayer with the ladies, and I said, yeah, I am, I am all for ladies getting together for prayer as long as I have someone that I that I trust and know that can lead that 
uh, and uh, that goes with anything. You've got to have somebody that can make sure that a prayer meeting uh, stays focused on what it needs to stay focused on, and that is prayer. And um, I, I've been in prayer meetings where the prayer requests became a little bit more informational than was necessary, and sometimes all of the prayer requests ended up crowding out the, um, the time in prayer. And so prayer meetings certainly have to be led. And, you know, folks, God has blessed it, and it's grown. And I would have to say from, from just my personal perspective, speaking as a brother in Christ, not necessarily a pastor, I have enjoyed it immensely. And the faithfulness of we've got a, a good handful of men that come faithfully. There's a small handful of ladies that come faithfully, and and ladies, you know who you are. I got to say, my wife comes home from those prayer meetings very much encouraged, and that in turn encourages me. And you know, when we're encouraged, then encouragement is contagious, and so is discouragement. And so I appreciate. Uh, the prayer meetings that we've had. And I've also, pastorally speaking, I have very much sensed a liberty and a blessing on the church services since we started having those Saturday evening prayer meeting. Now let me get into my message here tonight. And the first thing that I want to point out, just to make sure that I'm being thorough and explaining what the Scripture teaches regarding corporate prayer And that is this, that corporate prayer does not contradict private prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, he said, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Jesus taught that we should have private prayer. When he said in the closet, he's not talking about in the room of a closet. He's saying that we should have private prayer where it's just us and God and no one else knows what we're saying to God. We're not trying to get attention. It's just private between us and the Lord. And listen, that needs to be a part of our daily life. And certainly it is one of the most important parts of our relationship with God. And yet we read in the Bible that God's people have always placed importance on corporate prayer. And and I'm going to show you some scriptures here tonight, but I also want you to know that my intention here tonight is not to prove to you from the Bible that corporate prayer is God's will. I think that if you study God's Word and you've read places where it is obvious that corporate prayer is an, is something that God places His blessing and endorsement on. The Old Testament and New Testament are filled with instances and examples. Uh, here's a couple in the New Testament examples of corporate prayer. Acts 1.14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with His brethren. What do we have there, folks? We have the early church. One of the first things that they did was not get together to preach to one another or to have Peter or one of the apostles preach to them, although they did that. But the first thing that they did is they got together, and what are they doing? They're praying together. 
several other instances in the book of Acts, but we skip forward to the times of the Apostle Paul, and in Acts 16, verse number 13, it says, "...on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made." You know what you've got here? You've got God's people, you've got the disciples that are saying, we need to go out and have corporate prayer together. We need to find a place where we can pray together without all of the interruptions and distractions here in the city. Let's go down by the river. They go down by the river and they find that there were women that had resorted thither. And you know what? Lydia got saved because of that prayer meeting. The power of God blessed them. Paul and Silas ended up getting thrown in jail as a result of that prayer meeting. But then also many other people, including the Philippian jailer and his family, all got born again, not because of Paul's preaching, but because of Paul's praying and because of Paul and Silas's praising and worshiping God. It's powerful, brothers and sisters. It's more powerful than we can even imagine. It's more powerful than I even know how to speak to you here tonight. And, and, and I'd have to confess my fault here this evening that I've not personally placed the importance on prayer that I ought to. And I certainly hope that 2022, just like the last part of 2021 in my personal life and walk with the Lord, will continue to grow in this area, not only of private prayer, but also of corporate prayer. In Acts 20, verse number 36, when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. Corporate prayer, it's all throughout the Scripture. And folks, you'll not find any movement of revival in church history that wasn't connected to corporate prayer more than any other aspect of any other activity that God's people do on a, a daily or a weekly basis. It is absolutely vital and important. You know, it's been a rough couple of years and a lot of people have suffered because of COVID. Uh, you know, not I, when I say suffering, I don't mean that, well, I, I, I couldn't buy the kind of bread that I, I usually like to buy because the shelf was out of that. And, and, you know, by the way, what is the deal with stores being out of half and half? Jonathan, you're in the grocery business. What is the deal with that? It all comes from the same cows. How do you run out of half and half? My goodness, what are they doing? Just milking half the cow? You know, I, 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 do you ever, how many of you men, your, your wife sends you to the store and you come back with the wrong thing? How many times that's, oh, that's bad news. I came home. She wanted me to get her some half and half. She drinks half and half in her coffee. I just like milk. But I came back with some half and half and I pull, I, I, I brought that home and we got to looking at it. And this makes no sense whatsoever. It's no fat half and half. What? <laughs> That's like saying we're having vegan steaks. I, I don't. That just makes no sense. We're having we're having low meat hamburgers. I don't. <laughs> anyhow, 
what's that got to do with anything? I don't know, but let me get back on track here. So I'll not spend any more time attempting to prove to you the scriptural admonition and example of corporate prayer. What I do want to talk to you about here tonight is what's on my heart, and I hope that the Lord will bless me tonight, that I'll come across the way that I want to come across, and that you'll receive it the way that I hope that you'll receive it, the value of corporate prayer. Brothers and sisters, there is value in corporate prayer that we have not yet scratched the surface. We are not anywhere close to where we need to be. We are not anywhere close to where we ought to be. And there has never been a time in my life and ministry, and I think you, if you would be honest with yourself tonight, there has never been a time where it has been more needed than it is today. The devil is winning on many, maybe I could even say all fronts with so many people. There's not a week that goes by that I don't hear about some preacher falling into immorality or some faithful Christian whose marriage or family busts up or some faithful Christian family whose children go astray get on drugs or alcohol or, God forbid, commit suicide. Listen, in, in addition to that, you've got health problems. You've got people going through all kinds of problems that are all Satan at the root of it. They're all the tactics that Satan uses, and it just seems like that Satan is running uninhibited through the churches of America today. You know it. I know it. America knows it, but what are we doing about it? We're not doing very much. We're certainly not doing enough. We've gotten lazy. We've gotten apathetic. We've gotten to the place where oh, I just don't, I just don't want to have the hassle and the burden and no, it's Saturday evening. I'd rather stay in my chair and watch TV and we just, we, we do things that have no eternal value whatsoever in helping the real problems and the things that we could do are not done. Sometimes I feel, and this isn't in my notes, but I thought this early today and it came to my mind once again. Sometimes, have you noticed how that modern preachers today, and I talk about this a lot, too often, preachers today tell the congregation what they want to hear, or, or they settle for a program or something. If I can, you know, the preachers just think, let's just keep everybody busy doing stuff, and that'll keep them in church, and that'll... But, but you know, you can be active in church and still be dead spiritually. I mean, it, it, it won't do, it won't give any power to to save your children or you know what the next generation if we don't get a hold of this like the early church had a hold of it we are we are already in dangerous condition but preachers really don't they they quit admonishing and teaching these things and 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 they end up being kind of like the the general practitioner physicians are today Listen, I know that not all physicians are, 
Some of them, they get called quacks for a good reason, right? Some of them are competent, but they don't care. Some of them care, but they're not competent. If you got a physician that has both, man, you ought to hang on to them and pay your bill and make them happy. Send them a Christmas card or a gift even, but it's because it's just rare. And we criticize doctors because they, they just, they look at our chart and they don't really listen and oftentimes they just give somebody a prescription and herd them through like cattle and get rid of them. And we criticize that, but wouldn't you agree? And, and, you know, pastors are supposed to be kind of like caring physicians, only we're caring for people's souls. But wouldn't you agree that some physicians probably get discouraged and frustrated because they, they know what people need to do to be healthy, and they tell them what they really need to do, but it requires them to make some changes in their lifestyle, and people won't do it. And so they get tired of hitting their head against a brick wall and telling them what they need to hear, and they're not going to listen to it. And so they figure, well, they're they're paying me money. I got to do something. What am I going to do? I'm going to write them a prescription and help them mask the symptoms, and then they'll criticize me because they had a reaction to the medicine. And I guess the doctors figure that I'm going to lose no matter what I do. So they just take the easy road. I think that's what a lot of preachers, there's a lot of preachers today that are good men and they've just gotten discouraged and frustrated because their people don't want to do the things that really matter and so they just kind of give up. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to be that pastor. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to be that pastor. And I mean that from my heart. So there is value. Number one, the Bible demonstrates special blessing from God in response to corporate prayer. We already read some of them there in the book of Acts, but it is the absolute truth that corporate prayer often moves God when private prayer does not. Not that God changes His mind. When we talk about moving God, we're not talking about changing God. We're talking about moving him to do what we're asking him to do. Do you know that he's not a genie in the bottle that we just, we, we, we rub the bottle and say, God, give me my wish. And, and, and like he's bound to say, Oh, whatever you wish, I have to give it to you. And I have to give it to you right now. He, he's not that way at all. He is our heavenly father and he has a will. And, and the best thing that we can do is to line up with His will. The more we line up with His will, the more that we're going to ask for the right things and the more that He's going to say, you know what, I can answer that because if I answered that, that would be good for you and I would get glory and honor. Most of our prayers, the Lord's going, what? You got, you got this big problem over here? that you need my help in and you're asking me for some little old stupid thing over here and and the Lord's going, I'm not even going to bother with that. That's so shallow. And Christian Christians have become extremely shallow in our relationship with God these days. We don't change His mind, but rather when we pray corporately, it puts us in a spiritual place to receive God's blessings. And when that puts us in that place where we can handle it and we can receive it, 
That makes God want to open the windows of heaven and pour them out. Just like any father would be with his teenage son. You know, teenage, teenagers sometimes ask for things that it wouldn't be wise to give it to them. Let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's say not teenager. Let's say, you know, your, your eight year old son says, Hey, dad, can I have a 30 six rifle for my birthday? You know, what, what dad's going to say? Oh, sure. I'll, you know, buy you one here. Keep it in your room. Oh, here's a box of ammo. That, no good father is going to do that. Our heavenly father is a good father. And he wants to bless us. And when we pray corporately, I'll tell you what it does is it puts us in the right spirit and it, it, it focuses our prayers on the things that ought to be important. And through that, God demonstrates or pours out his special blessings in regard to corporate prayer. Secondly, and I think this is a very important value and benefit of corporate prayer, and that is that it promotes unity and it cements the hearts of God's people together. Finney said this, Charles Finney said, regarding corporate prayer, uniting, knitting men's hearts together, he said, it is doubtful whether any other thing can unite believers except corporate prayer. He didn't say nothing else can. I know that fellowship is good. Fellowship sometimes draws us closer together. But let's face it, sometimes fellowship can create uh, relational problems. The more that we spend around, we start talking, and then we our colors start showing, and we maybe have a bad day and Fellowship can't always and doesn't always unite our hearts, but corporate prayer certainly does. We have difficulties and criticisms of one another, but they will all dissipate when we unite our hearts together in prayer and when we share one another's burdens. You know, if a corporate prayer is what it ought to be, then it has a spirit of openness. It means that we get together and we're not just saying, you know, pray for, uh, pray that I'll get a new, my tires are bald on my car. Pray that I'll get new tires. And I'm not saying that that's not a, a worthy prayer. But I'll tell you what a corporate prayer ought to be. It ought to be when we're willing to share our burdens with one another. I mean the real ones, the stuff that we're struggling. I don't mean spill our guts out and be unethical and start telling all of our deep, dark secrets. I think that some generic uh, language is certainly, uh, certainly discreet and prudent. But at the same token, when we're struggling, don't you think that that's when we should be getting our brothers and our sisters in Christ? to pray for us because we're hurting, we're struggling, we're, 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 we're being defeated, we're, we're not winning, we've we got, got these problems. Maybe we're battling depression or maybe we're battling a particular temptation that's getting the best of us. And once again, we don't confess our sins to one another, but there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I got something that is that is beating me up and 
getting the victory. There's a stronghold in my life that I need victory. And those are the kind of things that we ought to be sharing with one another. And, you know, when we see that other of our brothers and sisters are struggling, sometimes in ways greater than we are, it is, it's pretty difficult to criticize that brother or that sister when we realize that, hey, they're going through something that's, I can't even imagine what they're going through. It's effective in unifying our hearts together, and that certainly glorifies the Lord. I'm not talking about the unity that the world talks about. I'm talking about the kind that God is glorified by. Number three, nothing produces a spirit of prayer better than corporate prayer. You know, when I think about it as a preacher, a preacher not only expresses words when he preaches. I mean, hopefully you you expect more from the preacher than just words. I hope you expect heart and feelings and emotion and passion, and that's what makes a preacher an effective preacher. Well, when we pray, we express those feelings to God and before each other, and that spirit of prayer in corporate prayer can very well end up being contagious. More than Omicron or Delta or whatever the next variant is going to be, corporate prayer and that spirit of prayer is contagious. And we need some of that contagion here in our church family. Number four, corporate prayer brings the power of God and conviction of sin and sinners. Will you be honest with me and yourself here tonight? I have to be honest about it. When's the last time that you saw conviction of sin or sinners being convicted as they ought to? I mean, somebody who is living in sin, has known unconfessed sin in their life, and they come to church and they hear the preaching, and they may even hear their sin preached on. And and they just smile like everything's just fine. Am I missing something here? The conviction of sin. When's the last time that we saw someone that was so broken and tore up about their sin that they they got right and you saw tears or you saw some type of some type of outward maybe coming to the altar we don't see that nowadays do we you know why that is i know why it is and you know why it is it's because the things that produce that are not that important to us Number five, corporate prayer demonstrates to God and one another that spiritual things take precedence to social, recreational, and even, and I, and I use this with an asterisk, even family. I'm not saying that any of those things aren't important. But too often we crowd out quality time with family with less important activities. And then we claim that we can't attend prayer meeting because it's our family time or our recreational time or we've got sports, we've got this, we've got that, we've got 
That's when we get together with our friends and so forth. Why is it that those things become more valuable and more important? We're talking about one hour. We're talking about a meeting that goes on every Saturday, folks. With the exception of holidays and special cancellations, it's every Saturday. I know I've never thought for a minute that if somebody isn't at every single one of them, then they don't value corporate prayer. I understand that Saturdays are very often, it's your only day off. You got Sunday, we got church. I understand all of that. But I also believe that there should be times when we make a decision. We pull away from family, recreation. You know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Three hours with your family, with God's blessings, is ten times as valuable as four hours without God's blessings. Sometimes we just have to make a sacrifice. Which brings me to number six, the value of corporate prayer. Prayer meeting demonstrates our support of our church family and pastor. When we are unwilling to attend prayer meeting at least once a month, we are demonstrating an unwillingness to make any sacrifice for the cause of Christ. While we may believe in our church and pastor, our actions contradict our feelings. What are we saying? What we're saying is that, yeah, I say that it's important, and I believe in you, pastor. I believe that this is this is God's church and that uh, that this is the place of God's blessings, but we demonstrate that it's not. It's important, but it's not that important. Which point number five and point number six leads me right to point number seven, and that is this: children and teenagers will never truly see the value and priority of prayer until they see that it's important to us. And I'm talking about corporate prayer. You know, when I was just a little boy, I remember my parents dragging me to prayer meetings. Don't tell anybody I said this, but I hated them. I was just a little boy. They were boring. I couldn't wait till they were over. I didn't get it. Why? Because I I didn't have that spiritual aptitude to get and be part of that. But you know what? happened that I didn't even know it happened is I learned that this is something that's supposed to be part of the Christian life. Christians are supposed to pray together corporately. My parents instilled that in me, and I didn't even know they instilled it in me. And not only that, but I learned how to pray publicly. Listen, I was a backslidden teenager, and there were several times when Brother Runyon called upon me to pray publicly. Now, in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, oh, if he only knew, he wouldn't call upon me. But I was put on the spot, and so I prayed publicly. Why? Because I knew how, because I'd been trained how because of my parents and being in churches where you had corporate prayer. How can we expect our teenagers, listen, if corporate prayer is as important as the Bible says that it is, and it's the key to a spiritual move of God, why are we leaving that out with our children? 
Man, we ought to be here. Dads, you ought to be here. And you ought to be kneeling and praying with your boys. Moms, you ought to be here at prayer meeting praying with your daughters, teaching them the importance and the value of prayer. Got a little quiet in here. Spirit got a little tense, so I'll move on. Because I'm not trying to hurt anyone. And, and I promise you, this is not me trying to get my way and you do what march to the beat of my drum. I, I believe this is so important. And it's never been more important than it is today. And it is so, so needful. My last point, prayer meeting helps the Sunday service and the preacher in ways that cannot be quantified. Cannot begin to tell you. Listen, I've already confessed to you that the past year, the past couple years have been, been rough years. I cannot imagine what they would have been like without you faithful men coming here corporately and praying. There have been times where I felt, I mean, I felt like I was at rock bottom and as soon as I stepped behind this pulpit, I felt like I was on the mountaintop. I mean, God would show Himself strong and victorious. I've had times where people have said, wow, preacher, that, that, I mean, that was great. And I'm thinking, you have no idea how I feel. And you know what I say? I say, praise the Lord. Why? Because He's the one that deserves the praise. Because I know in my heart of hearts that it's all because of Him. There's a supernatural aspect of it. Naturally, you will be more likely to get more out of Sunday preaching. Your family will be more likely to get more out of Sunday preaching when you've made a sacrifice and an investment in it. When you pulled away from your Saturday evening, gotten in the car, driven across town, got in here with a bunch of men and for an hour spent some time worshiping and praying, you know you put a corporate investment and when you come to church on Sunday morning, you're not just coming so that you can get something. You've made an investment. And listen, when you make an investment in something, you come with a spirit of expectation that I'm here to see what God's going to do. I made an investment and I'm hoping and praying that, hey, maybe somebody will get saved. Maybe a backslidden believer will get right. Maybe a discouraged brother or sister will get that encouragement that they need. You're going to come with that spirit of expectation and you're not going to be doing it just alone. We're going to be doing it collectively and corporately. That's the kind of spirit that God wants us to have. As I conclude here this evening, I've done a lot of praying and studying about our prayer meeting. And I will say this, we're going to change things up slightly. Nothing major. The Lord showed me some areas that I believe that we can improve our prayer meeting. Make it more effective. Make it more meaningful. But I close with Acts 
4, and while I'm reading Acts 4.31, I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. In Acts 4.31, it said, And when they had prayed, this is corporate prayer, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. That's what we're looking for here, folks. We're looking for a move of God where we can speak the word of God with boldness. And you know what? Boldness, most men... If a man standing behind a pulpit has any backbone whatsoever, uh, he can speak the words with boldness. That's, that's really not that difficult to just say what you want to say if you just figure, I'm going to tell them what I have to say. I don't care what they think. And listen, there's plenty of preachers around that have that kind of an attitude. But you'd have to agree that what you're getting there is you're getting the word of men. You're not getting the word of God. Boldness is speaking what we ought to speak, but doing it in the spirit of love and meekness in a way to where it, it actually makes a difference in people's lives. That's what we're looking for. And that's what they had in the book of Acts, chapter number four. And that's what we could still have today. And the psalmist said in Psalm 34 and verse number three, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Not just alone, not just privately. Magnify him with me and let us exalt his name together. I hope this has been a help to you. I hope that you've seen the importance and the value and I, my, my hope and desire. And, and let me say this before we close out the message and start the business meeting, whether you're here tonight or listening on live stream, I, I, I don't want anybody coming to prayer meeting because, well, preacher's going to think I'm a loser if I don't. I, I don't want anybody coming for me. If you come for me, then you're only going to get the blessing that I can give you, and that ain't much. I'm not looking to pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, look at how many men or how many ladies we have at prayer meeting. I'm not interested in that at all. But if I've spoken the truth tonight, and I will say this, what I've spoken is true according to the Word of God and the example of the Scripture, but I also confess and testify to you here tonight that I believe that the direction and what I'm trying to do and accomplish as your pastor, I do believe that I have the Spirit of God behind me, leading me, and that this isn't just, well, let's just do this and try to give people something else that I want them to do. I believe this is God's will from the bottom of my heart. And so if you have any confidence in my ability to listen to the Holy Spirit and to lead you accordingly, then, um, then I, I certainly hope that that has some value in uh, how you receive this and, most importantly, what you do with the words that I've said here tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, uh, thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight and your help. And, uh, Father, you know my heart that uh, I want uh, what is best for this congregation, but above all, 
We want you to be glorified and honored, and I pray that you would help us to uh, start having a passion for these spiritual things. Help me as to be an example, and Lord, to uh, uh, to not go through the motions of just showing up and and going through it, but help me to uh, help the passion and the vision that you've given me here of late. Help it to grow and continue and. Uh, protect us from Satan. Lord, no doubt he's going to do everything he can to keep us from being what we ought to be. So please help us and protect us. And I pray, Father, that we would see our corporate prayer meetings, Lord, at least doubled. Lord, we could be doubled and still have plenty of people that could and ought to be in our meetings. But Lord, just please uh, give us that spirit of prayer uh, not only for us, but for our young ones, and for our next generation, and for our community. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, Brother Coppinger. Yeah, Brother, come lead us. We're going to stand and we're going to sing that uh, third hymn there in your handout, and then we'll start our brief business meeting. All right, page 178, The King James Stands. Page 178, The King James Stands. The King James stands like a rock undaunted in the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with the truth eternal, glow with the light sublime. The King James stands, though the hills may meeting and we are we're off live stream correct all right I wanted to do this off of live stream and um, I think that there's certainly some value in this if you have been um, 
whether you're um, uh, one of our men or one of our ladies, and if you had a, have a word of testimony as to what the, um, the Saturday evening prayer meetings have meant to you, I'd like to give you an opportunity right now maybe to share that word of testimony. And I'm going to start out by putting someone on the spot who doesn't like to be put on the spot, and that is my wife, Sister Lynn. So I know you hate this, but uh, I know you're also an obedient wife. You'll do what I say. So I'd like to just, uh, you share with uh, the church what the ladies' prayer meeting has meant to you. Amen. Amen. You can always tell uh, when there's something that you know you ought to do, but it's really, really tough to do every time. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, she's, she just gave that testimony. I, I, I don't want to go. I go, and it's the best thing that I did. Why then do you go through the same thing the next Saturday? Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. The flesh doesn't like it. And the devil really doesn't like it, and so we ought to be wise enough to recognize that. Someone else here, thank you, sweetheart, for for doing that. Someone else, men, ladies, what has the prayer meeting meant to you? Yes, Brother Stair. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. It does. Brother Ralph. Okay, amen. All right, someone else? Yes, Brother Andrew. Amen. Amen. Kind of primes the pump, doesn't it? Amen. Appreciate that. Someone else? Yes, Brother Chuck. Church, just for a prayer meeting tonight, and just give that testimony to my grandchildren. 
Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. I saw a movement. Over. Brother Sam. Amen. Appreciate that, brother. Anyone else? It definitely produces a camaraderie that nothing else can. Um, Amen. All right. Well, appreciate all of those testimonies at this time, and and I do uh, assure you this will be a, a fairly short meeting here, but at this time I'd like to ask for a motion to open this year's annual uh, business or budget meeting, whatever we want to call it. Um, And so do I have a motion to open up the meeting at this time? Brother John Stair and uh, a second. Yes, Brother Brett Williamson. All right, you getting all this, Christina, my trusty clerk? Looking mighty clerky tonight. She's clerky, I'm quirky. All right, so the the meeting is now officially open. I'd like to start out, first of all, by giving you a general report of the overall finances of Temple Baptist Church. Uh, Financially, we are doing well. Uh, Let me uh, say this to you. Um, We just got these from the auditor, and so... uh, I just added tonight these audit reports, and what we have for you tonight or for this year is a comparison of 2019 to 2020. And if I look at 2019, our ending of the year cash and cash equivalents was 486.669, and in 2020 was 540.369, and I feel pretty certain that next year after 2020 is audit or 2021 is audited that that will be up as well and of course some of that has to do with the fact that with covid we haven't been doing as much uh, brother glenn has been getting some projects done here at the church some uh, lighting replacement and we got the downstairs uh, bathrooms uh, remodeled and uh, just a bunch of odds and ends that are very important maintenance here at the church. Uh, this upcoming year, I hope to have some additional uh, upgrades that are needed, uh, some things that uh, it's time to get dilapidated and it's time to um, to um, upgrade. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, certainly to do some uh, major maintenance on some things. And so that's where we are at Financially, uh, we do have um, we have about a little over two hundred seventy thousand in a business money market, and that is just money that is uh, set aside for safekeeping, uh, just to make sure that if we had any hard times, we'd be able to make it through or unforeseen expenses. Uh, we have a little under a hundred thousand in the building fund, and uh, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that because I, I I don't even know what to say regarding that building fund, and uh, I, I do hope that we'll be able to build that at some point in the future, but 
obviously with COVID and some people that are, their businesses are hurting and so forth, uh, now certainly not the time. Uh, our missions fund is doing well. Um, we have about 82000 in there, and uh, we pay quarterly, so that builds up a little bit, and then uh, then we use some of it, and so uh, we uh, we like to keep. I like to keep at least around uh, seventy-five thousand in that as a low point, uh, just so that we have that availability. Of course, missions conference uh, costs us quite a bit, but uh, that's uh, a little bit fat, but certainly uh, not too fat. And then our regular fund on a normal, just average year when everything is going pretty much full blown. Generally, our regular fund we we keep somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty to thirty thousand in that um, that is not spoken for, and right now we're uh, we're a little over seventy thousand in that, and so that will go for uh, the building fund we don't use for the renovations here of this building, but when the general fund when it builds up, then we tackle some of those projects that need. Uh, to be done, and so um, I, I can't really talk about what those are because I don't know exactly what which ones we're going to tackle. I know we've got some acoustic things here in the auditorium we want to tackle. The uh, windows here uh, need to be replaced, and so um, eventually that's going to happen. Hopefully this year uh, we've checked into it, and uh, these, uh, I will say this, these windows are, uh, they're kind of an odd shape. They're longer, they're, they're taller than what normally you would see, tall and narrow, and the, the kind of glass that we need, they don't make it. What are these? These are nine feet, and typically the glass only comes in eight foot, so that leaves a foot left over. And so anyhow, we've been trying to work on that and figure out the best way to tackle that, and hopefully this year that will happen. Um, so we're, we're doing well financially. I don't normally give you those numbers, but because uh, things are a little bit different with COVID and how things have been going, I thought that that would be important to share that with you, certainly this year. Uh, if you uh, were able to look at the proposed budget, uh, you'll see that most of the facility and operating expenses and the ministries are all pretty much status quo from last year, which were pretty much status quo. We did make some adjustments based on what we spent actual in actuality in 2021, and uh, most of the changes as far as the budget increasing has to do with staff compensation, uh, obviously uh, uh, raises that were given, uh, costs that have went up a little bit, health insurance and so forth. If you run a business, then I'm sure that you're aware that there are costs that uh, are certainly going up. And so um, as I've said before, the deacons set my salary and then I set the salary of the staff with the deacons' approval. And uh, if you take the salaries and housing allowances and all of those benefits and you divide that by three ti- uh, three full-time um, uh, ministers as well as three part-time secretaries and so forth, then uh, you'll see that we are taking good care. The church is taking good care of uh, of me and my family, and then also the assistants are uh, being taken good care of, but uh, nothing excessive or out of the ordinary or um, uh, so forth. Um, 
So that's basically uh, what's going on with the budget for 2022. And so uh, uh, the deacons expressed to me that they didn't field any questions. So I will assume that everybody is okay and doesn't have any questions or misunderstandings. So at this time, I would like for a motion to approve the proposed budget. Do I have a motion? Uh, Brother Sam makes a motion. Do I have a second? Brother Andrew Moody? All right. Uh, with a show of hands, uh, I'd like a show of hands. All who approve the proposed budget, please raise your hand. All right. You may put your hands down. Any disapprove of the proposed budget? All right. So the budget has been approved. So uh, that's basically our business and budget meeting. Do I have a motion to, uh, actually, before we, yeah, come on up here, clerk. Your favorite thing. Yeah, you use that one. You got that one turned on there? I don't want her anywhere near this. Am I on? Okay. Okay, first off, the pastor asked for a motion to open this year's annual business meeting. A uh, motion was made by uh, John Stair and seconded by Brett Williamson. Secondly, the pastor gave a general report of the overall financial status from last year. And then lastly, the pastor presented with explanation the proposed budget budget for 2022 as recommended by himself and the deacons. A motion was made by Sam Childress and seconded by Andrew Moody. A show of hands approved the same. Yeah, I think you did a great job with that, Christina. Before I, I actually get a motion to adjourn the meeting, uh, as a reminder, and this is very, very important, uh, is there anyone that can tell me the two biblical principles of church finance? I want this, I want this just instilled in every church member. There's two biblical principles that are both vitally important to have healthy church finances without having problems. Brother James. Accountability and trust. Accountability and trust. Amen. The pastor needs to have the trust of the people so that he can lead not only with the pulpit ministry, but also with the finances. And then the pastor needs to make himself accountable to the people. And so uh, we have several layers of accountability. The deacons see all of the expenditures that go through the church. And so uh, I, I try to, um, uh, as much as possible, make sure that they I keep them in the loop. And certainly... If um, if I have to take care of a matter of business and I don't have the deacons right in front of me, uh, they certainly find out about those things later. If it's a major, uh, for as a general rule, anything that's over five hundred dollars uh, and not routine, if it's something that's out of the ordinary, then uh, I always um, I, I say always I almost always clear that with the deacons before we actually do that. And uh, the only reason I say almost always is sometimes just it's just circumstantial. Sometimes you got 
decisions that you have to make and you just have to take care of a need and you don't have time to go through all of those formalities and that's where trust and accountability uh, come into factor. And so uh, appreciate the fact that you take that seriously. And before we close, I also want to say that I appreciate Brother Wilson and Brother Pennell on their ethics and how they set up um, the uh, financial aspect of this church and uh, that certainly has uh, made it easier for um, for this pastor. And uh, if the Lord tarries, um, hopefully a long time in the future, it'll uh, make it easier on um, on whoever is next. And I don't even like talking about that, but uh, anyhow, I guess it's just the reality of it. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes and to adjourn the business meeting? Nobody wants to close the business meeting. Okay, let's talk, let's get, get your Bibles out. <laughs> All right, did, Brother Ralph, did you raise your hand? Brother Ralph Harding makes a motion to approve the minutes as read and close the business meeting. Do I have a second? All right, Brother Randy Kimberlin has second that. Uh, all in favor of approving the minutes as read and adjourning the business meeting, say aye. aye. All opposed, like sign. All right, we're done till next year. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Appreciate your patience tonight. And uh, please, please prayerfully consider my, um, my plea here this evening. I understand that uh, some people, you have work schedules and you have different things, but uh, when you can, make a special effort. Come and be part of the men's or the ladies' prayer meeting. Uh, we try to stagger them so that uh, if you have young kids that, uh, listen, dad can watch the little ones while mom comes to prayer meeting. They can, they can pass the baton uh, out in the church parking lot. That's always a joy to me because I get to see the kids. And so um, uh, that always works. And uh, I will say this, I, I am planning uh, on the first Saturday of every month uh, having it Saturday morning. And that's just for, uh, for a while and see how that goes just to keep it a little bit different. Uh, I want to stay faithful with what we're doing, but at the same token, it doesn't hurt to change it up so that we don't get in such the same routine that we get in a rut. The best way to stay out of a rut is don't get in a rut to begin with. So as I mentioned, I've got some things that we're going to be doing just a little bit differently that I think is going to be a huge blessing. You know, this message and this burden on my heart forced me to study more into corporate prayer, not only what the Bible says, but also hearing what some great men of God of yesterday had to say about it. And I learned a lot. And hopefully uh, that will in turn be a blessing to you. All right, let's close in prayer. Brother Terry TV Paul, would you close us in prayer?
Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. See you next year.